0: Hello, and welcome to the Equiline Podcast. I'm Dr. Wendy Corin,
1: And I'm Dr. Dave Lundquist.
0: And today we want to talk about the art of observation. Because no matter where you are in your animal-related life, whether you are an owner, whether you are an equestrian professional, an agility professional, someone who works with, or someone who just enjoys your animals for sport and pleasure, knowing how to observe can help create a better relationship, better health, and a better life.
1: And by observing, we mean the art of watching, the art of watching, or the art of touch, being able to feel some of the things that are going on as well. But we're going to start with the art of observation, looking, watching, paying attention I think this is the one thing that a lot of us do is we're distracted by so many different things in life, our phones going off, uh, things going on around us, that sometimes we forget to really focus on that animal that we're dealing with or that trainer that we may be dealing with or the trainer rider or the rider horse combination. But the idea is to be able to observe consciously and actually watch
0: So what we're talking about at its basis is present-time consciousness. And I know I struggle with this. I struggle with this every day because I have the mind of a monkey, and it likes to swing from branch to branch to branch, and we can kindly call it multitasking. When we're at our best, we are fully focused on the moment. Now, being fully focused on the moment doesn't necessarily enable you to take in all of the data that's going to be helpful for you to decide, does your competitor companion need help? Does the animal you're working on actually show a lameness or a problem? If you're focused in the moment on one spot with a small aperture and you're staring, and it's uh, like what we say, looking at an elephant through the straw, you're going to miss the big picture. So what we want to talk about today is how to train your observation skills to take in all the information that's going to help you make decisions in your health life for your competitor or companions.
1: And Wendy and I have a very unique situation because many times we get to work on the animals together. And so when one of us is actually having our hands on, we're actually doing, that person's doing usually the micro part. They're looking at the small picture and the other person stands back and kind of does the macro picture, looking at the big picture, noticing, noticing how the animal shifts. If that person, the other person picks up the foot, how does that other animal, how does the animal react? How does it shift its weight? Is it capable of it shifting its weight? Or can it not shift its weight? So these are the differences that we get to use because we have a macro-micro, which makes it a little bit more efficient.
0: Right. And you sometimes you have to be both macro and micro. And in that case, I strongly recommend getting out of camera and videoing whether you're videoing it yourself and having the camera on across the room or there's someone who's not necessarily involved but close by to take a video of your interaction with the animal. Why? Because the first time you watch it, you could look at one spot and the second time another and sometimes you can look globally. And when I say look globally, it's as Dave said, are they moving towards you or away from you? Are they shifting their weight? What's the expression Uh, in their eyes? Are their ears going back? Is their tail wagging? If it's a cat, watch out. If it's a dog, that's generally good. You know, if it's a horse, it can be painful. We have been wagged upon by a horse swishing his tail as a warning. So if you are focused micro, you can be damaged on a macro level. So we want to break it down and make sure that you... Observe and visually is only one of the aspects. I want you to practice visually first. In this podcast, we're going to talk about many types of observation, all of which can be done in short encounters.
1: Yeah. And the horse, and when you're doing your observation, it can be done as a static observation. Just looking, if you're working on a horse, just looking at the horse standing in its stall. How is it standing? Are legs turned in, legs turned out? More weight to the front, more weight to the back. Uh, Does it have, does it seem to be protecting itself muscularly? Because a lot of times the horses will suck in, in in their hindquarters and you'll see that development where that d- it dives in at the behind the chest or behind the ribs so that's something to be observant for look at the eyes uh, do there are there uh, are they equal in level levelness this is one of the things that I think we bring to more people's attention than anything else to know when your horse's pole is out is just by looking at the height of each eye is it equal or are they offset
0: yeah there's do they stand under? We call it goat on a rock. And, you know, is are they trying to hold up their top line or they're trying to hold themselves up as a tripod because they don't have the strength or, uh, or there's discomfort either in that hind end sacroiliac or in the neck. So they have to really reinforce their mid-back in order to distribute the weight as best they can for maximum comfort. Dogs will have roached backs where they're just so rounded up because they're, they're literally doing everything they can to be able to move forward given whatever discomfort is going on in limbs or in trunk or organically. And to know when the type of behavior that you're observing does mean call your vet right now because this is a change this is abnormal, I'm not seeing, you know, the, the amount of spunkiness that I typically would, and you have to begin to really move. I can't tell you how many times we've walked into a stall, and this is true for my canine, and I'll tell you that in a minute, where she shoe is almost on sideways, and the complaint is the horse is off. Like, okay... You have to observe, look, everything. If you're only looking at the rider on the back of the horse, you may be missing a lot of what's going on. Same thing when you have a dog that limps up and can you take a look at my dog and I look at the nail and it's curled under and they can't even get the pads of their feet on the ground. So develop a routine. Develop a way that you observe your client or your own creature with a wide eye and a narrow eye in an overview every single time you come in contact with them.
1: Another thing that we've have a tendency to do is, and this is something for the riders, uh, to observe the riders, and this can be an observation whether you're a vet, a chiropractor, it doesn't matter. It's a simple observation. You had the rider come up to you, looked at, the first thing I looked at is I looked down at their chaps or their riding boots. Because if they're worn real heavy on one side and not on the other, you have a clue right off the bat of what this horse is going through in its training procedures.
0: Yeah, when, one's, when one chap looks new and the other looks worn, you realize that a human doesn't know that they have two legs and they're only using one of them. Lack of awareness for the person then will translate to lack of awareness in relating to the horse that's underneath them or false awareness, which is really fascinating. And I know when I've taken lessons and someone says, drop your shoulder, my awareness at the moment was that my shoulders are down. My new awareness, after I drop them four more inches, is that they were not down at all. So we have to begin with making sure that what we observe isn't filtered through something that's blocking out the important things. As Dave said, we start, observation comes in through all of our senses. You know, we we can tell. I have four dogs. They smell four different ways, and uh, not all of them are pleasant. Change is what you focus on first. Is there a difference in what you noticed yesterday versus today? When you touch... You know, if there is an area and you're you're petting, grooming, and there is a change in temperature, change in sponginess, change in reaction to how it normally is, begin to note that. Have your voice, you know, notes or your written notes down for this is what I observed today, so that you. Build the habit of this becoming second
1: nature. Yeah. And it's observation of not just the animals or the person, sometimes the tack. Sometimes the tack will tell you a lot too. Just take that saddle and turn it over. Can you tell where the pad on one side is a little bit more worn than the pad on the other? Or even look at the, uh, the blanket that they put on underneath the saddle. Is it dirtier on one side compared to the other? And, you know, a lot of those things will give you wear patterns and those wear patterns will give you consistent issues that a horse may be having because of the rider not noticing that they're riding heavier on one side than they are on the other. And these long-term effects can really start to create problems with the horse.
0: We had that this weekend. We were uh, up in Ocala and I made an observation about how the horse must be tracking because of the ribs that were being extremely tender, the fascia was not gliding on the right side, all this. And I said, you know, I'm, I'm seeing someone putting this pressure into the horse from the pattern that I noticed. And they said, wow, last week, the rider was riding with the stirrups completely uneven. And that was a new observation. So when you have a team even if you're all the members of the team. You you have to talk with yourself, put yourself in. This is my role looking at my dog, cat, horse. This is my role when I am interacting with it. This is my role when I'm feeding it. This is my role when I'm grooming it. This is my role when I'm asking for a, a high level of athleticism. Understand that your power to observe will change the entire outcome of your successful relationship with that animal.
1: Yeah, because you can observe their patterns. Because the biggest thing that we probably get calls about is, my horse used to do this, but now it does this. Observation and change of patterns is huge and really gives you a clue to where to begin sometimes when you're looking at an animal because that change of that pattern is a beginning oh my dog used to jump on the couch but now it can't jump anymore if i put it on the couch it doesn't have no problem jumping down but it can't jump up so now you know you have an issue probably looking into the low back or if they say you know my cat jumps on the furniture but won't get down and cries to get down you realize that that's usually a neck issue because it can't jump down neck or shoulder issue or front foot issues even
0: we know that one of the most frustrating things when we're asking a client of uh, what, they'll say, you know, I, I I need you to come out. Well, what are you noticing? Not really noticing anything. Okay. <laughs> my trainer <laughs> that does said happen, you do yeah. this. Or, or, you know, I, I have to say my agility people notice everything.
1: They do. Everything. They see every little now, aspect. Is
0: there a difference between the weave pole on this side and that? Are they coming? I I have to admit that I have a, a profound respect for the level of ability to notice. We have some of our riders who can literally, from sitting on a horse, tell us. I notice they're off at the pole and they're not engaging their left hind as well because they're able to create a focus. That is so razor sharp that when we come in, we're able to take our skills and either confirm or find a reason behind the reason for that going on. I will tell you that if you need help, there's many ways that we can talk to you about your specific ability to improve observation with your specific animals. So if you have questions about that, please feel free to reach out because developing the skills is a part of the process and developing the skills takes a little bit of training and a lot of repetition.
1: I know one of the things that kind of helped me with horse, with working with some horse lameness issues with some of the vets was somebody mentioned, if you just get yourself into the same kind of posture, the horse and walk like the horse for a second you'll kinda give an idea of what the horse is feeling. And it works really well sometimes because if you head bob or move your drop your shoulder or 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 turn your leg and move like that horse, pretty soon you'll start to notice where things are showing up in your own body. And then you can then it gives you an idea of where to start and sometimes and check that animal.
0: I actually love that memory that that just created for me, because when Dave and I took our veterinary chiropractic training a billion years ago, we were in a group that was 50% veterinarians, 50% chiropractors, and the vets really were sharp on the anatomy, physiology, and the chiros were on mobility and touch, and, uh, yeah. and we were all grown-ups crawling around on the floor <laughs> pretending we were horses while allowing the others to palpate. And, um, yeah, it's great, great memory of that you can sometimes learn at a profound level that stays with you forever by being quite silly.
1: Yeah. It's breaking observation down to its basics is really what it is. I mean, you've really got to make it as simple and complicated as you can at the same time. They start off as simple because you'll see more if you, if you actually open your eyes up and let your pupils dilate a little bit because that's how you let more light in. More light in means more information, and more information gives you an idea of what's going on.
0: And it's, it's quite interesting that some of us, by nature, sort things by how they're different, and some of us, by nature, sort things by how they are the same so learn about yourself in doing this and say what is it when you observe do you observe how it's like it was the last time or are you observing what's different and when you become aware of that you're able to shift it to what's most useful for your dog cat horse elephant orangutan whatever it is you happen to interact with at that time i know If someone says, How is this compared to last time? The same, the minute I put my hands on, the information comes through and I go, Ooh, this is different. I can notice difference. They ask me, "Is, Is it the same? I have to actually stop and think about sorting through sameness. So notice for yourself, how are you most comfortable observing? Do you see the forest or the trees? You know, what or individual trees? Notice how you observe, and then add to your toolbox. Say, you know, I always see the big picture of how they move, but I can never know. Is it right front, left hind? Is it coming from above, or is it coming from below? Take a video of your animal moving, and watch it looking for the wholeness of the movement, then watch it again only looking at your left front, only looking at your right hind, only looking at the top only looking at the head. This will not take you very long, but the results will be outstanding, and you will be able to help your animals more as clients, and you'll be able to communicate with your professionals better to get a more useful therapeutic intervention.
1: I think one of the most difficult things that I did when we first started was going in with a preconceived notion of what was going on. And sometimes, a lot of times we stopped asking the rider first or the trainer first what they thought was going on because it put this idea in my head that, okay, I've got to find some way to support that. And that's not in the best intention for the animal. So you have to, with the best intent, do your observation with a clean slate. Just observe with every skill you have.
0: Well, I think we've given you some homework. What I ask of you this time, give us some feedback. Send us some videos with your comments and let's see how we can help you become better observers. This has been an Equiline Podcast. I'm Dr. Wendy Corin,
1: And I'm Dr. Dave Lundquist.
0: Have a spectacular day.